Hi, everybody. We're back for another episode of the Reaching the Summit podcast. My name is Todd Buckingham, and joining me today, Greg Steeman and Zach Dosh. And I like how I say joining me today, which is pretty much every time. But welcome, gentlemen. <laughs> Good to be here. So we've got four teams left to preview, and then we've also got a uh, interview with associate head coach Joe Esposito from Kansas City that we will play kind of in the middle here. Uh, but let's start out with the previews. And I wanted to start out with with a team that is definitely has some buzz coming into the year, Oral Roberts. Uh, some of the big news, Max Aismas back for a fourth year, which, again, we've talked about this a couple episodes ago, is, is pretty rare at, at this level with a player with that caliber talent. Um, and I'll start out with a question, and then we'll just go into some other Oral Roberts things. Do Max Aismas and, and uh, Isaac McBride make the best backcourt in the summit? I'll say yes. I uh, I think if we were talking about maybe a 6'7 Baylor Sharman, a 6'6 Sam Greasel, you know, you would say they're the best at what they do, but there's some other styles out there that could give them problems. Um, I don't know if that's necessarily the case right now. Uh, everyone else is going to be trying to play their style, and, and they're going to do it best obviously i think you know the the second best backcourt is probably going to be south dakota and uh my guess is you know they are maybe some of their fans will probably take it personally that we're not saying that they're um you know like the jordan meme that that they're not the best backcourt but um and and they may prove me wrong by the end of the year but i i, I just think you know this uh, now obviously max Asmus, but i would even include trey phipps in with this backcourt too I think that that group is going to be really interesting. I think, you know, you could really see it with Isaac McBride last year. You could see the quickness. You can see the ability to shoot. You know, he's 6'2". Um, but it was almost like he was still trying to figure out how to play with Max, you know, because he's used to having the ball in his hands and he didn't have it in his hands as much now. But um, I think you did see flashes where when they'd be both on the court on the, at the same time, and they actually didn't play a ton together, especially early in the year. But, you know, where McBride would kind of hang out on the wing, let, let Max cook, and then if the help defense would come, Max would kick it out to McBride, and he would either shoot it or put the ball back on the floor. So if you have a paint touch, a kick out, and another paint touch, that becomes really difficult to guard. And obviously, I don't know that there's a lot of guards in this conference that can stay in front of either one of these two. So I think that's going to be a big problem. Um, and again, Trey Phipps could start for – almost all the schools in this conference and they're going to be able to bring them off the ground off the, off the bench. So it's really a three headed monster. Um, and so I, you know, obviously they're going to be a, a fun group to watch. I agree with you, Zach. I, I, you know, I, I, are they the best, you know, Todd, I, I don't know. Are they the most explosive? I would say yes. When you combine skill level with the ability to, to, to fill it up with the ability to have a 10 0 run on their own over the course of a minute and a half, uh, these two are, are electric, and, and Max Aismas. Let's be honest; he's been one of the best players that the that the league has seen. Um, you know, we could throw a bunch of other names out there, but uh, he is he is uh, he's the real deal. Everybody knows it. And uh, and McBride, is, as a complimentary uh, backcourt player, is is really impressive to have. And and I think North, I think ORU is 
is uh, and, and I'll agree with with Zach's, uh, you know, inclusion of Trey Phipps. Um, you know, when you look at it, I, I think they could be very much so the most explosive backcourt in the in the conference. And and uh, I think we all know that guard play really dictates a lot of, of success when it comes to competing for conference championships. So they're going to be entertaining to watch without question. They're going to be very difficult to guard. They are the uh, they are head coaches. Uh, nightmares is what they are when, when you look at how do we defend them how do we find a way to stay in front of them because both of them can not only create for others they can create for themselves they're both big time scorers so um, I think it's going to be a, a you know that that's that's a great starting point for ORU and, uh, and as we've talked about will they be the conference favorite you know in, in a lot of people's minds they will be but regardless they're going to be a factor in the race and, and I think they're going to be a, certainly a team that um, competes for a championship in great part because of the backcourt they have. You know, it's going to make them even harder to be guarded if Kareem Thompson, Carlos Juergens, and Shane Weaver knocked down shots this year. Mm-hmm. And they did kind of off and on last year. But if those guys are knocked down shooters, if they're shooting 40% from the free from the three-point line, this team's going to be extremely difficult to guard because you can't help off anybody. That's yeah. right. Yeah, and they and they did struggle a little bit. Numbers were down for all three shooting from the outside last year, and and I still contend if if uh, guys are hitting open shots from Max, he could lead the league in assists too. He really could. He smart player that do, does everything. And that's he, a great he, point, Todd. He he is he's a complete player. He yeah. is very good at making his teammates better. In addition to being one of the best players in the league. We'll see some teams take that approach. You know what I mean? Just like, hey, all right, well, let's not have Max get 35 on us. Mm-hmm. Let's see if some of these other guys can beat us. Yeah, yeah. What, what so, do you think, Todd? South Dakota or Oral Roberts backcourt? Putting you on the spot. So, South Dakota's probably a little deeper. Well, mm-hmm. boy, but then you start talking about Kareem Thompson and Carlos Jurgens. They're just and, a little different. Well, you know what I mean? Yeah, they're just different. Yeah. But at the same time, guys, it's not an insult to USD. We're talking about Max Haysmith. The kid's an yeah. American, you know? And yeah. Isaac McBride has shown how explosive he can be. I mean, he can take over a game at times, and, and he can go mm-hmm. off for 30 on any given night. And, and so I, 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 I'm, I'm in agreement with both of you. Um, you know, listen, we're not here to offend USD fans. We know they've got a great backcourt. They've got great wealth of talent in their backcourt. But ORU um, is right there with them, and, and, and Ace Miss has earned every every accolade that he's received. And I think Isaac McBride, um, you know, coming back after a year of experience in the league is going to be a, a really tough, tough matchup for a lot of teams. However, if A.J. Plitzel-White, is A.J. Plitzel-White like he was playing right before he got hurt, this conversation does probably change. But until we see it, the answer for me has to be Oral Roberts. Yeah. Yeah. I just keep thinking, I went to the game that, that, that they, uh, I went both in Tulsa to watch them play, uh, well, Tulsa. Um, and then, uh, also saw a game when they were at St. Thomas and Isaac McBride is such an explosive athlete. It, it was interesting to watch him in person. Very much. Especially when he gets that catch on the wing after the defense is already rotating and, and have, and just focused on, Max, I mean, he catches that thing and rips it and gets right to the front of the rim. I mean, people don't even know what hit him. It's just yeah. he's so quick. So, so I wanted to talk about something that was maybe 
might be a little different this year than what we've seen from Oral Roberts in the past. And that is you've got seven foot five Connor Vanover coming over from gosh, where did he last play? Arkansas. Arkansas. Arkansas yes. And before then That's Cal. Funny. Yeah. There was where I remember him from Cal. Um, yeah. And, uh, and then you add in now Elijah Lafile is, is not on the team right now, but the, the last I saw from somebody that covers the team, he is, away from the team for personal reasons and will be back. No timetable has been set. Um, but you, you've you got him, you've got Vanover, you've got Patrick Mwamba, who's coming over from UT Arlington. A, a little bit more of some players that are willing to play inside. Do you see them changing their style at all? I, I don't know if we see a change in their style, Todd. Um, but at the same time, you talk about the physical presence they can put in there to protect the rim. Um uh, you talked about Ufile and, and and his ability to uh, the, the number of double doubles he put up down the stretch last year in the conference season, amazingly uh, impressive. Conover at seven five, you know even a even a clown coach like me can't screw up seven five. You know what I mean? And uh, and and that presence will always have an impact. It allows your perimeter players to get out there and maybe be a little more aggressive defensively. Can they create some turnovers? Can they get in passing lanes? because they know they have rim protection. And uh, I don't know that it changes necessarily how they play. I still think they're always going to be a perimeter-dominated team on the offensive end. But when you can put that type of, of rim protection behind you defensively, it allows you to be, get out there and, and, and find a way to, to maybe turn, turn defense into offense by creating turnovers and realize that if I overplay a little bit, I still know that I've got some, some protection around the rim. So I think it's going to be – you know, ORU is always going to be different than the rest of the teams in the league. And the reason I say that is they have a different uh, recruiting, you know, uh, footprint. And they have the ability to attract different types of players, different types of players, and, and uh, put put some unique lineups on the floor. So I, I think, you know, when you look at their roster, they, they're they a roster that is pretty complete. And uh, they're a roster that is certainly putting themselves in position to complete to compete for a conference championship. Yeah, I don't I don't think this is going to change how they play. Uh, both Lufile and Vanover, neither one of them is really kind of a back-to-basket player. Uh, Lufile, obviously, more of a pick-and-roll guy. Connor Vano, Vanover, he's definitely more of a pick-and-pop guy. I And I was thinking about this. I saw this on the agenda, and I was trying to think about Vanover at Cal, and I, I saw him play. I randomly, at, at the last second, went to an Arizona State-Cal game. And I remember watching Vanover play because what surprised me is the guy shoots threes. And yeah, it was the last that. thing. Like, I'm watching him run up and down. I'm like, okay, big skinny guy, you know, maybe grab a couple of rebounds and, and shoot a jump hook. He, like, stepped out and knocked down, I think, two threes in that game. And I'm like, wait, who the heck is this 7'5 guy knocking down threes for Cal? And I just kind of filed it away. And then, yeah, he transferred to Arkansas. Uh, pretty good player there. Kind of got displaced by our guy Stanley Mude a little bit. Um, and just kind of slipped through the cracks, had some injuries too, and just really kind of looking for an opportunity to play just a huge role. And that's what his expectation is. I think that's the expectation of this coaching staff. Um, he's, I, he's obviously going to have a tremendous advantage over everyone else in the conference, right? Um, I'm, I'm just so curious to see how they use him, but he's going to be an incredible, effective player. Uh, just like I said, shooting threes or even just getting deep catches and just shooting a jump hook. He's seven five. 
like Greg said, I mean, there's at some point it's just like, that's just such an advantage. It's, it's nothing anybody in this conference has seen and nobody's going to be able to prepare for it unless they, you know, the, the GAs try to play post defense with brooms in the air or something like that. But I mean, it's uh he, he's going to be a really interesting, I am fascinated to watch Connor Vanover. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, or style has always been to say, Hey, listen, our bigs are going to be versatile. Our bigs are going to be a threat from the perimeter. You go back to the banner days, his, his, his ability to stretch the floor, shoot threes, you know, at, at six, nine, six, ten. But or that that fits what ORU has always done is they've been able to stretch the floor, play a five out approach at times, even though you've got even though you're seven five, like you say, Zach, if you're a threat from the perimeter, it changes how teams are forced to defend the pick and roll action. And so I think you always have to be able to defend them on the perimeter. And uh, but it, but it fits how Paul Mills and this, you know, this version of ORU has always played. They've always been threats from a variety of different places on the floor. So, uh, yeah, I, I think they're, you know, they, they've filled their roster. They've, they've, they've filled some vacancies and, and they're certainly, you know, going to be right there for, a, you know, preseason conference favorite uh, for a variety of reasons. And in, in, in part because they have versatile players, guys that can do a lot of different things regardless of their size. Yeah, and one la- one last little thing on o- ORU, and then we'll move on to Denver. I-, I got a chance to chat with Coach Mills when when I did a, a Twitter uh, Spaces with uh, Mid Major Madness that their account, and uh, he had said that Isaac McBride is actually the one that basically got Vanover to come over. He had <laughs> he had uh, he had said, "You want Vanover?" And he said, "Of course." And he said, "Let me let me take care of it, Coach." And so yeah. one of those interesting little things. I don't know where their connection was before or any of that, but yeah. and I think well, it just, that just emphasizes ORU recruits differently than the rest of the league because they can. They're in yeah. a different part of the country and, and they have access to different types of uh, players and, and uh, connections. And so, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. It's, it'll probably be a challenge for Coach Mills and his staff to put this group together, but there's no question they have experience. And they have experience in the backcourt, which is vital. Uh, they're going to be they are they are certainly going to be in the conversation all year for a conference championship in the regular season. I, I'm on Connor Vanover as newcomer of the year um, until I can think of a better answer. He just <laughs> he, he's like people are going to enjoy watching him play, man. He just he just attracts attention. You know, I just remember him like he doesn't have like the fastest release. But you can close out perfectly to him, and it doesn't even matter. He just shoots it right over top of you, like he, you can't obstruct his vision. It's 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 kind of funny. Yeah. It, it it's effective. It's just, yeah, I I'm curious to see what they do with him and what teams try to do against him. And it's a great point, Zach, because just being a threat, just it's being not a enough. threat from that manner, yeah, you know, from from that position, it affects how you defend the pick and roll action on the perimeter. All right, so let's move on to Denver. And, and I'll kind of start out with Denver. I think this is a, a Tevin Smith breakout type of year. Do you, what do you guys think about Tevin Smith? Showed a lot of things last year as a freshman. I think he's first or second team type player this season. What do you guys think about him? Well, I'll, I, I, I won't disagree with you. I mean, the kid was, was amazing last year as a freshman as far as accepting his role and realizing how he could impact the team. And, I guess more than anything, what I see with Coach Wilbur and, and this group, 
they've identified specific types of players that they want to bring in that they can challenge to play with high effort, um, uh, great intensity, and allows them to be a really difficult team to play against. I, I think Denver is going to continue to move up in the rankings of the Summit League just because I think they, they, they put a great emphasis on saying there's only a certain type of player we're going to take, and it's going to be a high energy, a, a high toughness level, and uh, an explosiveness that, that we need to, that we think we need to compete in the Summit League. And when you go back to Tevin Smith, I'll tell you what, the young man had some impressive outings last last season. I have a, I have to believe that he's only going to build on that, and that Coach Wilburn is going to put him in position uh, to be able to build on that. So I, I, I think that uh, Tevin Smith, yeah, definitely has a chance to be a, a first or second team all-league guy as long as he continues to, to buy into what Coach Wilburn is preaching. And I think they're going to be a fun team to watch. And I just give I, I give the, the coaching staff a lot of credit for saying, listen, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna jump into the portal at times, but it's not gonna be a a random. Let's just take whoever we get. We're gonna find the type of guys that fit um, what we want to accomplish and that can handle the the challenges that we're gonna put in front of them. And so I I think Tevin Smith is gonna be a high level player in the league, and I think they're gonna with the way they filled their roster. Denver is going to continue to be an issue for a lot of teams in the league. Yeah, I remember when we interviewed Coach Wilburn uh, last year, Devin Smith was one of the first players that he talked about. And he talked about how he felt that because maybe some schools were focusing more on the portal, that he was the type of player that he didn't think they'd be able to get otherwise if this was maybe two, three years ago. And so he, those, that was one of the first players – that he named. And so we've always been thinking about that. And obviously, you know, he did come highly great, uh, regarded in, in terms of the recruiting agencies and things like that. Obviously had a nice year last year, 10 points per game, kind of a quiet 10 points, but obviously KJ hunt was really the, the star of the show last year and, and the focal point of that offense. And so I think he really kind of steps into this role and, and, and Greg, you know, this, everybody knows that like the, uh, a player usually takes the biggest jump between year one and year two, when they start to contribute. You know, he knows what it's like to play in this league. He knows the things he needs to work on. He has the athletic profile that it takes to be a great player. And so I really see no reason why he couldn't really pop this year and go from 10 points a game to maybe 15, 16. And, and Zach, you make a great point. Um, Tevin Smith reminds me in a lot of ways of Zeke Mayo. These two guys came in as freshmen and kind of felt their way, didn't try to do too much but were really impressive in the roles that they were in. And they seem like high IQ players and saying, you know what, I'll advance in any way I can, but they'll, they won't do it at the expense of their team's success. And uh, I, I, I think that's a really a, a good observation. It's, it's, he's a guy that's saying, I'm going to feel my way here, but I'm not going to hold back either. And uh, he's a guy that's going to perform at a high level without uh, being a detriment to their team's success. And I always like to take a peek at their non-conference schedule. Um, teams definitely take different strategies towards their non-conference schedule. Uh, Denver's is a little light. It really is. You know, they play at UCLA, but outside of that, you know, it's Colorado Christian and Sacramento State and Texas A&M Commerce, Houston Christian, New Orleans, the Citadel, IUPUI, or IUP, yeah, IUPUI. And so, um, it, you know, they're going to have a head of steam. And you know, yeah. we'll know if it's fool's gold or not, but they'll they'll have a head of steam. They're going to have a, a pretty good record 
rolling right into the conference season here. So, um, you know, obviously you got to like what they're building They're I hate saying they're building it the right way because there's obviously a lot of ways to build, but I mean, they have the continuity, I guess is what I'm getting at. And that has been non-negotiable in terms of having success in this conference continuity from one year to the next kind of building on it. And whether that's building with, you know, transfer players or Juco or high school, whatever, but having the same players together and having a nucleus for two or three years, that's the, that's the, the trademark, uh, and the key characteristic of any successful team. And so they're starting to develop that. Denver really hadn't had that in a long time, and they, they finally do. And, and Zach, you really have a really good point, uh, you know, when it comes to scheduling. Do you schedule, do you, I mean, you look at Dave Richmond, he's going to go play Kansas and Arkansas on the road, you know, on the same week. Um, you know, and that could be humbling. But at the same time, do you put together a schedule that says, let's let's build some confidence. Let's show these guys that, you know what, well, the way we're doing it, and, and, the, and the manner in which we're putting things together really matters. The, the most important thing for Denver is they've got to have some success with that pre-conference schedule so that they can build that level of confidence. And they've got to, get, they've got to gather a, a number of wins, as you mentioned, with the, with the type of teams they're playing. And, and if they can gather that confidence and, and build on it, then they certainly come into the conference season with a head of steam. And, and, and that can be dangerous, too. So... There's different ways to do it, different ways to schedule. Um, and so I, I think Denver's chosen the way that, that you mentioned, and we'll see how it plays out in the Summer League Conference. Uh, but it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see. Well, and one player that I didn't mention, and we usually tend to mention Tevin Smith and Colvin Porter kind of together as those now sophomore guards. Uh, Colvin Porter was not on the preseason ballots, and I've – I, I think I mentioned this on a previous podcast that, that there have been some whispers of him having an, an injury that's going to put him out for some time. That is just one of those things that makes me think that a little bit more. I think anybody sending in names for Denver would certainly put Colbin Porter as, as the second or third leading scorer last year uh, on on the list of names. So it seems like that uh, there's there's a likelihood of, of, of an injury that's going to have him miss a, a chunk of time. Uh, and we had all kind of said that they look like a top half type team earlier. Does that change your preseason season thoughts on them? Of course, we don't have confirmation on this, but that I, I would actually say that it probably doesn't because we could talk about some of the, the transfers that they have coming in that could uh, maybe soften that blow a little bit. But what do you guys think as far as with Colvin Porter potentially being out and how that might change how, what we think of Denver? It's a good, it's a good observation, Todd. Um, and I, I think he he showed that he was an, a really impactful contributor, but I I, th- I I guess maybe from my standpoint, I place more emphasis on the coaching staff and the types of players that they're trying to bring in, and I think they can overcome that loss if he's not available. And what I mean by that is just the the manner in which they play, that the the level at which they compete. Um, they're they're going to be a they're going to be a, a difficult out for Summit League teams, especially on their home court. And if they can continue to build on that, that's important. So I, I would I would love to see him back if that's possible, even if it's halfway through the season. Um, everybody would love to see him back because the, the league would be better for it. But even if he's not able to come back, I, I still think I still think it does not necessarily make them a uh, it doesn't knock them down a notch as far as their ability to compete. Um, uh, for a, a top spot in the league tournament. And so uh, great observation. 
I hope he comes back. I hope he finds a way to get as healthy as possible because he makes Denver and the league better. Uh, if not, and we have to wait a year for him, okay, we'll do that. But I, I, I just think that uh, this coaching staff has, has found a way to make Denver really a factor in the league. I, I think it does really affect them. I mean, I, I think it's a big, I think it's a big problem, um, you know, because he, he really stretched the floor. He was really getting a lot of good momentum going and, and he was part of that nucleus that they were building on and they were, were banking on. Now, of course, all we're talking about now, we're just talking about rumors, right? So we don't want to get too carried away, but you know, whether it's this year or next, you know, they could have been, if, if Denver would have had this group together, and let's say they they just they they played well. Coburn Porter and Tevin Smith are at 15 points per game, and now you're starting to look at a, a nice roster where it's like, man, these guys have been playing together for two years. They have two years left. What type of transfers do they attract? I mean, that is you truly have the foundation of your program in locked in, and 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 they're they're make, ready to make a run. You know, right after some of these guys at Oral Roberts maybe move on. Um, and so I, I do think it could really set them back this year. Now, is there ways to mitigate it? Probably, probably, right? You know, that's why they give out 13 scholarships. So, um, but as it stands right now, I have to believe that it does. Well, and and I won't disagree with, from that standpoint, I just, I, I'm only approaching it from the standpoint of, of they, they've identified what it takes to be competitive in this league. And they have probably been as successful as anybody in the portal. And, uh, and so it'll be interesting. And to, to lose someone like that, especially when you factor in his ability to improve from one year to the next, I won't disagree that it could negatively impact him. I just think overall, I think the staff and Coach Wilburn have, have found a way to say, you know what, we know what it takes to compete in this league. And so it's going to be interesting to see. Um, and, you, and you could be right. Maybe Denver takes a big step back this year if Porter isn't available. But uh, I, I think they've uh, – I just kind of observe it from the manner in which they've approached the portal and the types of players they brought in. I think they're pretty selective on those things. Uh, going to be interesting to see. And, and I think we all agree, though, that Denver will be a factor. I mean, when you look at when ORU, when USD, when South Dakota State, when North Dakota State have to go to Denver, how many of those teams find a way to win out there against this year's version of the Pioneers? And I guess the way that I'm looking at it is it's not, I mean, sure they're going to miss them this year, but, you know, replacing any sophomore is usually doable. I'm looking at this like when they're juniors and seniors and really they're ready to make a run at the whole thing. Does this sort of derail that momentum that they had? You know, will they ultimately be able to get to where they wanted to get to or where they could have got to if he didn't get hurt? You know, of course, I, and I really don't want to spend too much time on it because this is all speculation, but. You know, um, I don't know. I, I just hope the kid's ready to play. I like, I really like watching him. I yeah. think, you know, the thing about a guy like Coben Porter, the reason why I, I, I think it's, it's, it's kind of a, a sneaky, uh, bad loss because you can play him with anybody, you know, a guy that can just shoot, you know, he's, he's a three and D guy. You can play them with any rotation, any group of players, and he's going to make them better. He's just going to fit in, spread the floor, knock down shots and play good D right. The, that every team needs guys like that. They're becoming more and more valuable. So um, I hope for the for the conference's sake, he's on the floor. Well, I agree. And we're we're running it on a little bit of a time crunch because we like talking yep. about something league basketball. But I do want to say one more thing about Denver and have you guys chime in there. 
with, they added D1 transfers, Marco Lukic from Little Rock, Tyree Corbett from Coppin State, Luca Kasunas from Stanford, Tommy Bruner from Jacksonville, and Ben Bowen from Wyoming. And we don't have time to talk. Not not only do you have Toko Tynamo returning, Pedro Lopez, San Vicente, two bigs that will be sophomores this year. Um, so kind of a mixture. But I guess what my question or the thing that I, I'd like you guys to comment on before we move on to the interview with Coach Esposito Remember this roster two years ago? No, oh, man. And, and, and when we talk yeah. coaching changes, this is what you sort of, as as fans of the league, this is what you sort of hope for. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it, you yeah. know, that, it was basically Jace Townsend and that's it uh, yeah. a couple of years ago. And, and there was no hope for, you know, who was the guy that was going to step up and be something bigger. Well, in just two short years, look at the change in this roster. But in the culture too, the culture yeah. too, just how these kids yeah. compete and develop and just, I mean, they, they actually have culture now, you know? And, and so it's great to see a lot of length and athleticism, a lot of length and athleticism. That's what you're seeing from all these teams, you know, a lot of six, eight, six, seven, six, 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 nine guys that can guard two and three positions. Um, that's incredibly important. There's not a ton of those guys around, but they've been doing a good job of finding them. I agree with you, and 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 all of us think the world of Rodney Billups, and I think he's going to have a fantastic coaching career wherever he ends up, whatever he ends up doing. But what we look at is is the impact that, that Coach Wilburn has had on on kind of a style of play, a toughness level, a competitive competitive whatever competitiveness level, and and I think we all enjoy it. I think we all appreciate it, and that's why I just go back to I think they've. As a staff, they found a way to identify the types of guys that will come in and really help them elevate that and be a, a factor in the summer league race. And uh, that, that's the way I look at it. I, I'm looking forward to seeing what Denver can accomplish this season. And without question, I, I think they found a way to identify people that re- can really help them achieve what they want to accomplish in the summer league. Yeah. All right. So let's go to the interview with Coach Esposito. And then we'll talk Kansas City after that. So from here, we'll go to the interview with Coach. Hi, everyone. We're really excited to have uh, another interview with us today. Joining us on the podcast, Associate Head Coach Joe Esposito of the Kansas City Roos. Coach, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Appreciate you guys reaching out. Absolutely. Well, well, I'll kind of start out. Um, my, my first question is, so... A lot of roster turnover, which is pretty common for for uh, a new coaching staff and and different things like that. And what we got to know in the couple of years the Ruse returned back to the Summit League is this team that just beat you up and and almost made it like a football game on the especially when they're playing defense. Um, what is the style that Coach Menzies and and your squad there? What's their style going to kind of look like? Well, I think we're we're similar in some regards. I think we're going to be a high-pressure defensive team. I think that's one of our emphasis, and that's been Coach Men- Menzies' emphasis for a long time. Um, all the teams, if you ever watch his past teams at the UNLV and New Mexico State, you know, defensive uh, pressure, you know, really making it difficult for our teams to execute. I think that's one of the things we're trying to do. You know, we're, we're a pretty big team here uh, at Kansas City. We got some good size. We got some really good length. 
And I think we're going to cause people some troubles on the defensive end. I think that's where we're going to, our bread and butter is going to be made uh, defensively is what it looks like right now as we, you know, go through this preseason. Coach Esposito, I was just going to ask you, I, I appreciate you bringing up the point, you know, looking at your roster, it's not what we got used to at Kansas City. The, the, the length that you guys brought in is impressive. Is that Does that play into your style, the ability to really get out and pressure people because you really believe you've got some rim protection now? Yeah, I do. You know, I think that that's an important piece. And we we're fortunate to really, you know, getting the job late in April, April 28th. And then the two of us trying to just, you know, we lived in a hotel room for three months together at the Marriott downtown. And, you know, Coach Menzies and I have been buddies for, for 30 years. And it's interesting because we both were in Phoenix. Uh, Coach was in Phoenix. He was out. Um, he just finished up at Grand Canyon and he was he was out in Phoenix and I was in Phoenix. I was coaching a high school team. I was getting ready to unwind a little bit and uh, maybe go into semi-retirement. I was coaching a high school team after 35 years of college coaching. So we were together all the time throughout the, the year before here. Um, and we were always talking about, you know, if we get back in, do we want to get back in or what was going to happen? And uh, I can remember when the Kansas City thing started coming around. He called my wife before he even called me and said, you think Joe needs to leave me? Because I really liked Phoenix. Um, but, you know, we had so many opportunities to talk about, you know, how we would put the pieces together to a new team if we ever did it again. Um, and and, it, and then we started getting the itch. And we started thinking, like, maybe we should go back and, and coach. And, and then people are starting to call coach. And he's getting excited about, yeah, maybe what do you think about this job, this job? And when Kansas City hit and, and uh, you know, the athletic director, and he got a chance to know Dr. Martin, and he's known him from, from previous years, and knowing the alignment of uh, the school here and what they're trying to do, um, it really got a lot of excitement. And with that being said, we were thinking, what if before it happened, what if, and then what kind of team are we going to build? And that's how we decide, you know what? I think one of the things we really need to do is really look at the foreign piece, you know, try to look at foreign recruitment and trying to look at those kids. You know, those kids don't uh, know about NIL. And it's not like when you call these kids on a portal right away, they're asking, well, how much can you give me? Um, it's the opposite with these foreign guys. You know, they're coming here going, thank you. You know, they're just excited to be in the United States and play college basketball and, you know, with relationships and coach has been a recruiter overseas for years through our, you know, relationships with different folks and whatever. We're able to put a good, really good roster together for our first year. It's a different looking roster than people have seen in this league. You know, when you look at nine foreign players, 11 freshmen, 18 guys on our roster. So it's a little different look, but it's something that we feel will help us um, you know, reach our goals here in a summit. Yeah, it's funny you say that because I was going to ask if that was a focus with the foreign-born players, just as you look at the roster. Um, an another thing that I noticed when I was looking at the roster, it looks like you have two pairs of brothers, um, one of which look like identical twins. I don't want to assume, but it but it sure see. And it always helps when they're identical twins that are six foot nine. That doesn't that doesn't hurt either. I mean, was that just kind of one of those things where when you get the relationship with the family, you know, and they want to play together and it just makes sense to try to, to kind of two for one almost? Yeah, you know, it worked out really well with both those guys. So if you look at the first group, which they are identical twins, it's precious and promise. And thank God one of them wears a headband in practice because <laughs> I wouldn't know, know the difference. One's got a little, a little scruff on his chin, so that helps too. But, you know, they are identical twins. One's actually 6'10", and the other one's 6'9 and a half. Okay. And they're both guards. 
And, um, you know, they have that long length, but they are identical. And like, when you see them walking, it's really hard to tell who's who. So the good thing is, you know, they're both named, one's precious and one's promised. So the best thing about it is you just say, hey, what's up, P? And you'll be okay. <laughs> you know, so that makes it easy. But those two guys, you know, they were guys who were able to get late that had a lot of interest. And they're, um, they're both coming over uh, from Germany. And they had a lot of interest in a lot of schools, but everyone was trying to pull them apart. They couldn't give them two scholarships. A lot of schools late didn't have two scholarships. Well, we're like, well, we have two scholarships. And you'll see, they're very, very similar as far as players. Um, and they're both about the same as far as ability. It's like one's not better than the other or anything like that. So when we had the two scholarships to offer, we had Zoom meetings, we met their family, we did all that stuff and they just bought in and we had some connections with the people that connected them to get here. Boom, we got them. And the other two, Logan and Alan, Alan was here in the States and he was playing at Colby Junior College, a really good player, um, one of the best players in that league, defensive player of the year. Uh, he was a freshman, had three years of eligibility. Well, he had a brother that was, uh, so they're from Belgium. And his brother was playing prep school in Maine, same situation. No one really had two scholarships. He really wanted to play with his brother. That was his, you know, underlining thing. Like, I got to play with my brother. So we had two scholarships and that's how we got them. So having two brothers is uh, really a cool deal. And uh, we're excited yeah. about both those uh, both those families. Yeah, Joe, it's, it's, it's really cool to, to hear about how you guys chose to build your roster and kind of going the foreign route you talk about the two sets of brothers really added length things along those lines from from the perspective of you and coach Menzies what was your thought process coming into the summit league going hey this is the way we have to play or this is what we have to do in order to, to win in this league what was your knowledge of the league prior to coming in and, and, and what's your knowledge how much knowledge have you gained since you've taken the position well, you know, I had the opportunity to know a little bit about the league just through playing. Like when we were in Minnesota, um, I was there with Tubby Smith for seven years and had the opportunity to play a lot of these teams and know the league. And my wife's from Minnesota. Uh, so so we know that league. Her brother played hockey at North Dakota State or South, I don't know, one of them. Our niece is a runner <laughs> in South Dakota. Like, so we knew the league. And then, you know, Coach Menzies, I don't think, knew the league as much because he was more of a West Coast guy. And so when we got here, we started watching video of the league. Well, I'll tell you, I told him from the beginning, it's a, it's a great league of coaches. The coaches are good. They're ambitious. They, I think they do a great job. I really like the coaches in this league and know them all. Most of them were young GAs when we were coaching. Like, you know, we're an older staff when you look at our staff as far as Coach and I. Um, and then, you know, when you look at the league, it's a league, great shooting. I mean, it's a, it's a league where... You know, the, you have to really be able to shoot the basketball. Um, you know, guys are really smart players. There's a lot of uh, IQ at this in this level in this league. Um, so we're saying, like, well, how are we going to build our roster? You know, what kind of kids are we going to have to get? So we decided to go the athletic route. We decided to change, bring enthusiasm, bring excitement, you know, up and down, really good pressure, you know, fun to watch. Um, and really get pressure, pressure these teams and do a little different look. You know, we're not going to be that three-point shooting team, cerebral five-out team. We're going to be more of a, you know, pounded inside. And, and you know, we got 7-2, we got 6-10, we got 6-10, we got 6-9. You know, we legitimately could start a team that the smallest guy out there is 6-6 the point. And uh, when you think about that length and you look at that, you know, when, so that's what we're looking to do. So, but the league we know is really, really good, really good coaches. Some of the coaches we know extremely well, like Rob Jeter, 
Um, he was with coach. He was on coach's staff at UNLV. I've known Rob when he was in Wisconsin. We were at Minnesota. Like I know, we know he's a great coach, and we know, you know, he's a program that's building. You know, Coach Crutchfield, uh, that's just got the job at home. Another great hire, a guy that we've known for years, and he's a great coach. And and then all the guys that have been here and established, which you know, Oral Roberts and South Dakota State, and I mean, they're they're all really really good programs. So it's going to take us some time, but we feel like this is the route we need to go, and that's the route we went. Nice. Joel, Joel, you kind of hit on what I was going to ask next. And it's the half the league in the last two years has, has brought in a new head coach. Um, and you just talked about coach Jeter, coach Wolbrun over in uh, Denver, both elevated their programs kind of right off the bat, two programs that have been at the bottom now are more, more in the middle. Um, then you've got coach Crutchfield this year, um, coach Peterson over in South Dakota, and then, and then your, your staff there in Kansas city, um, and the funny part is we Kansas City brings in the most most decorated coach of, of the league um, with Coach Menzies, five NCAA tournament appearances um, and and w- conference wins in at New Mexico State constantly. Um, what is it going to take for you guys to kind of take that step that other teams have taken um, when when bringing in new staffs? Well, you know, we obviously, like I said, we were aware of the talent in this level, and we were aware that, you know, it's a one-bid league at this point, and, you know, you really have to play really good basketball come the end of the year to win that tournament and get that bid. You know, obviously, we'd all love to be a two-bid league or a three-bid league and continually play a better conference schedule, which, you know, this year we decided to play five, uh, four power five games. Uh, we got here inherited a schedule, but, you know, trying to eliminate those games that aren't division one games and, and really trying to up our schedule. Um, we, we feel like we have a unique situation here because we have Kansas city, you know, Kansas city is a great town. Uh, we really loved it. Besides the barbecue, there's a lot of good things here. You know, there's so much excitement here. Um, there's no basketball town in team in, in Kansas city. We are Kansas city, you know, as, as our, as our, um, athletic director, you know, they changed it from, you know, UMKC. Now we strictly are Kansas City basketball. And that was a big deal. Changed the mascot and, and did all those type of things. So the vision of our athletic director and the university and the chancellor and everything was, you know, to build this program. You know, we're playing, you know, in a recreation center and, you know, the, the ideas of hopefully looking at building a facility here and, you know, and all the different things they're looking at doing was something that really excited us, excited Coach Menzies. Now, Coach Menzies does bring, you know, a different look in the league. He's not like one of those young up and coming guys. He's already proven that he can win at the highest level. He's, he was a, obviously a very well-known assistant coach, you know, with coach Fisher and coach Patino and, and all the things that he's done in his career. Um, and, and it's exciting because, you know, it's maybe a little different than the other programs. You know, you get those young coaches, you know, looking for a stepping stone job. I think for us, this could be it. I mean, this could be the job that we settle in at and try to build a dynasty here and, and really take this program to, to a new level. And that's the excitement. UMKC basketball really hasn't done um, anything nationally. You know, they haven't been to the NCAA tournament. They haven't won the conference. There's no banners hanging in our gym. And I think those are all things that excited us, you know, and uh, they had a great year last year. I mean, they were heading in the right direction. I think Coach uh, Donlin did a nice job with his squad. Um, and now we're hopefully building and continually building this program to, to new heights. Um, so that's basically how it all came about. 
And, uh, you know, we're, we're just looking forward to the challenge. We're looking forward to the, the building. The, the building a new program is exciting. We, we have this slogan here called BAM. It's something that I brought with me everywhere I go. It's building a monster. And, you know, we're trying to do everything. Every day we're trying to win, win every day, get better every day, and then just build it, build a culture, and do all the things you can to get your program established because that first year is so important. You know, the way you, you know, get the program going and get the guys believe. And that's why having 11 freshmen and a young group, that's a good part of it. Now we have 11 freshmen, but I will tell you, a couple of them are 22, 21 years old. It's not like, you know, that some of those international guys are a little older, which is good. So it gives you a little more experience. So that's basically where we're at. But, you know, having Coach Menzies here is going to make a difference. And, uh, you know, he's a veteran coach. You know, when you look at him and me together, we got over 75 years of coaching. So we, we feel excited about that and, and, the, and the direction we're headed. Joe, I, I, I really appreciate you bringing up some of the things you did. And I know in, in uh, you know, doing some background, Coach Menzies, you know, when he mentioned, when he talked about you, he, you know, obviously in addition to the X's and O's, your ability to recruit, he said you're, you're good in the marketing side of things. And that's one of the things I'm going to ask you in the community of Kansas City. I mean, you got Kansas City, I mean, it's a huge metropolitan area, as you mentioned. There is no home team. I, we get it. The Jayhawks are down the road. Missouri's over there. K State. How do you? Who are those teams you said? I never heard of. I never heard of those teams. I was just wondering. Yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't think you had. Mention those teams why, again. I, <laughs> yeah, that's my job is to, is to educate and inform you. <laughs> Thank you. You definitely. I didn't know we had three teams locally. I, I'm glad you told me. Uh, how do you get? How do you get an extra thousand people to show up at the game? How do you? How do you generate that interest before? before people ever have a chance to see the product. I, I'm just kind of curious what your thoughts are on that as a staff and as an individual. Well, we hit the ground running. I can tell you that we've visited everywhere, you know, living in, living downtown here in, in the Marriott for three months, you know, coach and I probably hit every restaurant in the city and talked about the team. And, you know, we would go up to people and, and say, uh, tell them about, you know, Hey, uh, what do you know about UMKC and Kansas City basketball and stuff? And they didn't even know they were a division one team. Like it was like, there's the, the education piece is so important to get the word out. So we've done it in so many ways. We've started a booster club called KCDC, which is Kansas City Dunkers Club. And coach is really, really great at marketing and promoting. And we've already had meetings and we're having a tip off banquet and um, with an auction. And uh, yesterday was an exciting day. We had somebody donate a cow, you know, you, a whole cow <laughs> for, the, for, the, for the live auction. Um, it's just exciting because he loves to do that promotional piece and he's really good at it. Um, you know, so all the things that we have to do to market our program and the way you do that is you got to get out in the community. I mean, if you expect people to support you, you got to go out and support them. You know, so we've been visiting churches and visiting schools and meeting people and doing, he has a, a luncheon every day with somebody, um, somebody in the community. We had people at his house uh, this last weekend to try to build a steering committee for our booster club and build the booster club. And, and, you know, obviously at this level, you know, fundraising is an important piece, you know, bringing in extra dollars to build your program. So I think what you got to do is you really got to do a good job of, of selling your product. Um, obviously, winning helps in a lot of ways. I mean, when you win, it definitely helps get people in the stands. But we have to make our game an event. We have to do like 
We have to fill our facility. And it's not like we have a million seats to fill in there. We should be able to fill that place and start letting people know that, you know, we're back and, and we're going to build this thing and make the game fun for the students and, you know, do things before the games, whether it's have magicians walking around or, or people painting faces and having a band outside and inviting local schools and, and doing all the things you can do in a community to get them involved. That's what we have to do. So, you know, the coaching part obviously is an important piece, but also the marketing piece right now is important, getting those, you know, getting the word out. And uh, and coach is great. He'll never say no. If you ask him to go do an appointment or go speak at a Rotary Club or speak at a high school or whatever, he just says, tell me where to go. He goes, you don't have to ask. Just tell me where to go and I'm going. And that's what brings, I, I think the one of the best things about Coach Menzies is he's a people's person. Like when he gets in a room, he just, he just builds excitement. And uh, so we've got a lot of excitement. We got a lot of people interested. Our season ticket sales are up. Um, and I think that, you know, you'll see where they're going to have to move us out of here if we if we continually fill it, because that's dollars. When you're looking at now you have a, an arena that seats 1500 and all of a sudden, well, we can probably get four, five, six thousand. You're losing money if you don't do something facility wise. So those are all the things we're trying to fight for, keep working at. And like I said, our administration is 100% behind us. We, we have the best athletic director that I've been around as far as loving the game of basketball and helping us and, and knowing that we have a vision. And that's what we're excited about. And like you said, we have to do that marketing piece. We have to go out there in a the community, you know, whether it's on social media or whatever you got to do and, and just do everything we can to, to get excitement for our program. And not just Kansas City-wise, nationally. I mean, we want to get the word out there nationally. We have nine foreigners. We have we speak 10 languages on our team. You know, sometimes they're yelling at each other on the court. I don't even know what the hell they're saying. You know, I have no idea. So um, we're learning. But when you have, you know, a young man from Greece and some guys from Belgium and, and Africa and France, it's exciting. And it's really been a lot of fun. And I feel like, you know, um, the way we bonded this last weekend with our team retreat and the direction we're headed, everyone's bought in. It's going to be exciting times here at Kansas City. Awesome. We only have a few minutes left, but I did want to touch on some of the returning players. Um, you've got Timothy Barnes, Sam Martin, Shamari Allen, Anderson Kopp, all returning from last year's team. And then even though he's not returning, he's, he's a name, at least college basketball fans know, Raquandis Mitchell coming over from UIC. Um, how do how have they fit in so far? What have they shown in the time you guys have? Well, I think the important piece is like they are returning, but we recruited them to come back to us. You know, when we got here, everybody was in a portal and, uh, you know, the portal was just full of our guys. And so we had to re-recruit those guys and get those guys to say they're doing really well. Uh, Anderson Cop, one of the best shooters I've seen in college basketball since I've been coaching. That's saying a lot. I've been around a great. You guys remember Blake Hoffarber at, at uh, you know, uh, at Minnesota and some of the players I've been around when we we're at Texas Tech building that program and stuff. And he's a he's a great shooter. and He's a great kid. and He's a great leader. Um, he's really bought in, you know, a guy like Shamari, um, Shamari last year didn't make a three. If you look at his statistics, you know, he was over 15 from three and he's knocking them down all the time because he's got confidence and he feels excited and he's building and he's gotten better. Timmy Allen is, is an incredible athlete, you know, really gets up and down the floor and, and Sam Martin had a little injury deal and he's just starting to step back and, and he's another guy with leadership. So those four guys have really done a good job of, you know, um, be believing in us, um, they wanted to stay with us. They had excitement for us. So that was a big piece. Raquandis Mitchell is one of those guys we did get out of the portal. 
Um, he's a Minnesota kid, obviously previous relationships, as you can imagine, uh, through Minnesota. And uh, he's a guy that's brought a lot of energy as well. Um, so, and then from there, we got typically all freshmen. I mean, all the rest of the guys are freshmen. Um, when you look at Precious and Promise, who we mentioned, you know, you look at um, Babacar Diallo is a transfer. So two two junior college transfers, Babacar Diallo and uh, Alan Maku, um, Makuba. He is from Colby Junior College. So two Juco guys and then the rest are all freshmen is what it looks like. So, but they've done great. And, you know, you rely on those guys. They know the league. They know what we have to do. They know the differences. Like our guys, the foreign guys have no idea about the Summit League. They didn't even understand how the NCAA tournament worked. And like, those are all things you had to educate them on and, and what a guarantee game means. And, and like, just the kind of thing. So, um, so it's an education process, but they're all learning. But to answer your question, those guys have been doing great. The uh, last thing I'll event. ask, and then we'll, we got to 20 minutes. So we told, we told you we'd do 20 and, and we'll, oh, we can there. do 30, 40, 50 because <laughs> the more well, people that hear uh, our message, the better. Well, so I, I got all day, actually. Greg, We're Greg had one, Greg had one more question. So I'll ask mine and then I'll have Greg ask his and then we'll, um, okay. any chance uh, somebody goes to a ruse game this year and runs into Hakeem Olajuwon? You know, that's a good question. Or Pat Mahomes. I mean, that, oh, yeah, that's, true. A, that's, a, that's another good one. But yeah, I think Akeem Olajuwon will be, will be around, um, you know, having his son. Uh, when you think of his son's 6'4", um, a lot of people think his son would be about 6'10 or 11. Uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, uh, he, he, he's uh, been a good addition as well. He'll probably uh, redshirt this season. Um, and his, his dad's been a great advocate and a great name. And, and it's really cool to have, you know, a professional hall of famers son on our team and and coach menzi's coached a bunch of those guys like bill walton's son he's coached and he's coached a bunch of guys uh that had dads big nba dad names um so that's kind of fun and, you know sam martin's uh cousin is is pat mahomes yeah um and that's kind of neat too and i kind of had a relationship with pat mahomes when i was at texas tech he was our quarterback um so i had a chance to know him through there my daughter graduated with him so hopefully you'll see a couple of those guys running through here uh but you never know with, with coach menzies you never know who'll be coming through you know our facility you might you know see cedric the entertainer and then guys that coach knows so you know it's kind of exciting but i do think you're going to see a lot of those guys i think you're going to see a lot of pros in the area you know um um travis kelsey lives across the street from coach um, I got two of the Kansas City Chiefs and a Royal in my neighborhood. So it's kind of neat. So as we're building relationships, you never know who you'll see at a Kansas City game. Yeah. Well, Coach, I, I, I appreciate your time. And I already have a question. I was just going to say, you know, when you were recruiting all these kids, did you ever tell them how cold it gets up in North and South Dakota in the middle of winter on some of those road trips? Or have you kind of kept that close to the vest? Well, we told them that if the other one of the schools was recruiting them, I think. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, you know, it's funny because one of the first things we did was order jackets. <laughs> we ordered yeah. jackets. You know, Adidas yeah. has been great to us and we ordered jackets. But uh, I I know about that cold and uh, thank God it's an indoor sport. Um, but uh, it is an interesting league with the cold. I think it's going to be kind of a shocker. I can remember the first time I ever went to North Dakota. I was playing Greg McDermott. I was head coach at Angelo State. And we went to the hotel and the lady there at the hotel handed me an extension cord. And she said, this is for your car. And I rented a car and I'm thinking to myself, 
the electric cars, I didn't understand. Like, I said to the lady, I, my assistant looked at me, he was a city kid. Matter of fact, he played at Raytown High School and he's from Kansas City. And he said, Coach, I think we might need a longer extension cord. We can't drive too far with that. <laughs> and she said, You have to heat your block. And I go, Heat your block? What in the world is heat your block? You're talking about a New York City kid. I don't heat your block. And um, so I got Andrew, I, I learned about it really quick. And then when we got the Minnesota job, you learned about that cold. And the good thing about Kansas City is we do get a little snow, but not too much. So we did let the guys know that those are some cold places to go. But hopefully in that gymnasium that we're playing in, we're going to be heating it up and playing well. And uh, we look forward to great things. We're, I got to be honest with you. We are really excited to be here. Um, we're excited. Every day is an excitement. I mean, we're here at five, six in the morning. We're excited. We're fired up. And uh, we got a great staff, a great young staff uh, around us. Coach put a great staff together, great guys. And uh, we're looking forward to, uh, you know, building that monster and, and, and putting us on the map. We're really excited. Awesome. Well, we're excited you guys are in the league. Um, and again, I'm going to say a shout out to your, I said it to you before we started, but whoever does your guys' website, it was real helpful in, in getting to know the player. I can promise you there will be few people that watch more games than me as the season gets going. But when, when you overturn the roster, there's, I'm, I, I'm needing help with some, some things to talk about. So I appreciate whoever put the website together. To, they did a really great job. Um, and we're just excited. You guys are uh, joining the league and excited to see what the rest of the year brings. And so I appreciate you joining us coach. Yeah. If we could do anything, anytime, you know, you can, Anytime you want to do an interview or anything, please let us know. I mean, we never would say no, obviously. And I, I'll do anything we can to, to help build our con conference. It's not just about us. It's about building the Summit League and, and making our conference stronger. And, and those things are important. So any way we can help in any time, any, any place, just let us know. And uh, we're looking forward to the challenge. We're glad to be here. And uh, we're, we're proud to be at University of Missouri, Kansas City. Awesome. Wish you the best, Coach. Thanks. Thank you very much. You guys have a blessed day. Right. You too. All right. So great interview with Coach Esposito. A, a lot of fun. Um, I, Greg, I like the conversation that turned into what are they going to do with the with the cold when they head up towards the Dakotas? Yeah. And I, I especially liked when he was handed the ex extension cord and <laughs> wasn't <laughs> sure how long the car was going to be able to make it. It wasn't a very long cord. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was that was pretty classic. Um, so so with Kansas City, this might be a team that's a little harder for us to talk about. They have I think eleven freshmen on the, on the team this year. One of the things that I noticed just off the bat is that they have gained athleticism, size, um, all of that. But then it, it's a lot of youth too. And then when we think about it, you got Coach Menzies, who frankly has the most accomplished uh, resume of any summit league coach when it comes to his time at New Mexico state and the amount of, of uh, NCAA tournament appearances. I think it was five when he was there. What are we, what, what an interesting mix. They tended to go with a lot of youth. Do you think we'll see some excitement and some growing pains with this team? I think we will. I think we will. And, and it's funny because when you, and just, just for all the listeners, uh, Todd's really great at sending out. He sends out an agenda and say, "Hey, says he, here's what we're going to talk about." And I, I don't disagree. You know, uh, Coach Menzies is, is one of the most accomplished coaches in the league when it comes to being in the NCAA tournament, things along those lines. And I, I started thinking myself, do you, do you come in and say, "What does it take to win in the Summit League?" Or what have I been successful with? Right. And I have a, I have, I have a belief that Coach Menzies has said 
what what have I been successful with? I'm going to go out and try to assemble a roster that most mirrors, you know, the types of rosters that I've been able to be successful with, regardless of where I've been, whether it's UNLV, whether it's New Mexico State, wherever it's been. And I think it's going to be interesting to see how that uh, factors into summer league play. Uh, they certainly have length. There's no question about that. And uh, and I think they've, uh, like you say, with all the new players, there's so many unknowns. But my, I guess my gut reaction is that Coach Menzies has said, here's what I know has worked for me in the past, regardless of the conference that I've been in. And we're going to see how that fits into summer league success. Uh, but without question, they're going to be entertaining. They have great length. They, they're probably going to have the ability to get out and really get after you on the perimeter because they do have some length around the lane. Um, but we'll see how we'll see how that translates into success in the summer league. Yeah, this is truly a global team. I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm looking at the roster here. Senegal, Belgium, Greece, Germany, Germany, Senegal, <laughs> Belgium. I mean, and then Iowa. <laughs> no, but but seriously, I mean, these, these guys are I, I liked how in the interview he talked about, you know, it, it, it's, it's so interesting. You know, obviously we talk about talent so much, but, you know, Coach Crutchfield and, and Kansas City here, they talk about the quality of player so much. It's not just about talent. And it's a big lesson for everybody. They talk about, you know, the first words out of these kids' mouth isn't, well, how much do I get paid in NIL? It's okay. I see this opportunity. Thank you for this opportunity. Type of deal, right? They're not uh, sort of jaded by the whole process like some, you know, high-level American players are, quite frankly. Yeah. And so they intentionally use their connections overseas to bring in a lot of these players. And I tell you what, you know, I'm not going to sit here and try to break down their highlight tape. You guys can do that. It's out there. They can play. They're long and athletic, right? Um, they're freshmen. Freshmen are uh, they're they're very difficult, and they're they're going to be up and down. They're going to be inconsistent. Um, my guess is they play hard, though, and my guess is they develop. And my guess is by the end of the year, they're going to be better than they were at the beginning. And you commit to that, you get through this year, and then all of a sudden you really start to see some dividends in years two, three, and four. And so. You know, it's going to be a little bit of a learning process for for Coach Menzies and really this whole program the first time through this conference. Like you guys are talking about, just the routine and rituals and where you stay and getting to know this conference and just getting a feel for things. It's almost going to be kind of like a test run this year. And then I think you expect to see this program rapidly approve after that. Yeah, that's a good observation. And I, I guess I look at it, Different coaches will come in and say, I'm going to adapt to the Summit League or I'm going to force the Summit League to adapt to the type of team I put together. Um, I look at Coach Crutch uh, uh, down at Omaha saying, I'm going to, I'm going to put together the type of team that can, can, can win in the Summit League. I look at Coach Menzies, and my, gut, my initial gut reaction is, I'm going to force the Summit League to adapt to the type of team I put together. So it'll be interesting to see, I, and, and without question, the best coaches always find a way to say, you know what? Okay, that way, I kind of thought that way, but I've got to think this way different, you know, the next two or three years, or I'm going to continue to force them to adapt to the type of team I put together. I think that's kind of, uh, at first glance, 
that's the way I look at Kansas City. Is that Coach Menzies, Menzies has said, this is what I'm going to do and put this type of team together, and we'll see if the rest of the rest of the league can adapt. And so two more quick things. It's been a little while since we've had a footer in the league. It's been probably, what, two, three years? Uh, now we have three, including City Diallo here from Kansas City. No question, he's going to be a big part of what they have to do defensively. They talked about how they like playing pressure defense and things like that. And what do you need if you want to play pressure defense? Somebody that can clean up mistakes and guard the rim, and I'm sure that's what he's going to do. And then my second thing, uh, Abdullah Elijahwan, the son of one of my favorite yes. all-time players, Hakeem Elijahwan, is on this team, 6'4 guard out of Houston, Texas. It's going to be fun. Wonder yeah. if he's, I wonder if uh, Keem's going to show up in Grand Forks. What do you guys think? <laughs> I, I'm sure that's his first place to go, Grand Forks. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> and by it, the way, it, I, it, it would be a show. Yeah. yeah. It would be. And by the way, I will say that Akeem Olajuwon is one of the most underrated, best players that the league has ever produced. So yes. I, I'm right Love there. Love him. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. You know, when City Diallo and uh, Connor Vanover are on the court together, that might be the tallest pair <laughs> to be on the on the court yeah. in, in Summit League history. There might be a record in there somewhere. Seven five and seven two. I would agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. When you start with seven five, you don't have to. I can't imagine. That. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah. It'll it'll just be interesting to watch Kansas City and, and what a. Who would have thought they probably had their most successful season on the court ever last year. And here's a, here, there's a coaching change. You know, it's just, you never know what you're going to, and not a coaching change because coach Donlin went to a higher level. He, uh, he took an assistant job. It's just college basketball is just a different world now. And, and, you know, I mean, obviously they had a very senior laden roster last year. It's probably a good thing that everything kind of turned over. There was, something very suspicious going on with coach Donlin, you know, in the last summer, he was saying kind of conflicting things to people and it was just very odd. And it's probably for the best that everybody just kind of parted their ways and um, everybody, the whole program just kind of turned the page. And so, you know, they're doing it in a hurry. They're bringing in freshmen, you know, everybody that thinks about transfers and everybody thinks they're going to be so highly regarded this guy has more experience than anybody in the conference in terms of making it to the NCAA tournament. What did he do? He went out and got high school freshmen or high school seniors. I mean, he had connections, all kinds of power five transfers, but he intentionally chose to go this route. You know, that 43% in the portal, that's a real number. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on to our last team to preview. And, and then actually next week, I think we'll start our, overall season previews of you know where do we where do we think teams will finish even though we've hit on that a little bit and then we'll start talking first and second team maybe some surprise um players things like that and i'll we're gonna start ramping up the writing on the website too so we'll maybe use some of the stuff we put on there uh but st thomas is our last team to preview uh in the team previews and it all starts with that uh I mean, they, they, we saw what they did last year, which I really did surprise a lot of people. They wore down there at the end, which isn't surprising given, you know, it's mostly a D3 roster, but they bring in what might be the, the highest regarded recruiting class in Summit League history with, with a Johnny Lee, who's, who's by many was the highest rated recruit of the, of the four, Kendall Blue, Carter Bjerke, and uh, Andrew Rohde. Uh, so let's just start with that freshman class. What the, are they going to be able to do? Some special things there in St. Paul. 
I'd say yes, but probably not this year. They're still freshmen, yeah. right? I thought we were going to see a bounce back or two um, to maybe kind of shorten this development curve. But here again, another program that goes the freshman route, and I don't blame them. I, I really don't. I, I think it's a good idea. These kids are going to get a chance to play early. They're going to go through some growing pains. But by the time they're juniors and seniors, they're going to be dialed in and ready for a run. You know, it's going to be fun to watch these guys play. No question the, the, the quality of education, the location, and being able to play early really factored into these guys' recruitment. They want to play. They want to compete. That's why they're at St. Thomas. And they're going to get that opportunity this year. Like I said, they're, going to, they're, they're probably going to take some lumps, and there's going to be some growing pains. I still think the physical profile uh, of this roster um, isn't quite there, but it's getting close. You're starting to see those 6'6 six, six guards. You, you just can't have six-foot guards. you got to have 6'4", six, 6'5", six, 6'6 six, six guards. They have them now. They're just freshmen. So I think there's going to be some um, momentum made here, uh, some progress made, but you know, maybe not as much as we would like to think. It, it's still... You know, last year, their issue was still defensively. And it had nothing to do with X's and O's. And it had everything to do with, I mean, let, let's be honest, personnel. It, it just, they just, a, a little too, a little too short. Um, teams could just score at, at ease on them. And uh, not because they were out of position, but, you know, they're just, they're, they're giving up four or five inches at every position. And that's just, over the long haul, it's just too hard to overcome. And, and it was reflected in the Ken Palm rankings. So, you know, I think we're going to see we're, we're going to see we're going to see progress. Progress is the name of the game here. Keep things going in the right direction, and this is just going to be another step for this year. Yeah, I I think you're right on on so many of those factors, Zach. And I, I Johnny Tower I think is an excellent coach, and uh, and by the way, you, you can get by with six foot guards if, if their name is Max Aceves. <laughs> but uh, the, there's not a lot of other guys like that. And I'm not, by the hey, way, I'm just kind of joking on that. Well, and, uh, hey, hey, knocking down a three while you give up a two, that's defense, <laughs> right? That's, that's right. That's kind of more or less my version of defense, but, you know. Yeah, but at the same time, and I look at it, you know, credit to them. They have brought in a fantastic class. And uh, and I think it's it's so much because I've, I've worked my tail off to adjust my thinking from the three to four year plan to the 10 month plan, which is what, all right, that's what you gotta do right now. But at the same time, I think St. Thomas has done a heck of a job of bringing in a great group. And uh, and I think they have some, they have enough experience around them to maybe allow those freshmen to get through some of their mistakes, some of their, some of their shortcomings and some of their lack of understanding of the game at this level to maybe grow throughout the course of the season. Um, so what, what I, I will agree, I think they're still maybe a year or two away, but they're going to be a type of team that on any given night, if a lot of those freshmen are playing at a high level, they can beat anybody in the league, regardless of whether it's on the road or at home, because they don't know any better, but, uh, you, you can't, you can't criticize the quality of talent they brought in. Uh, they become a much longer, tougher, uh, stronger team just uh, because of the, the group they brought in, but at the same time, they are young at some critical positions. So it's going to be interesting to see how Coach Tower handles that, but I do think he's a, a high-level coach, fits in well with the rest of the coaches in the league, in the Summit League. Um, so I'm excited to see what they can do. I think they're going to be that wild card type of team. They can beat anybody on any given night, 
And if you're not ready for them, uh, you're going to get embarrassed, whether it's on the road or at home, because they're that that talented. So uh, I'm, I'm excited to watch them compete this season. The thing I'm most interested in, and this is really a big picture thing with St. Thomas, I, you know, obviously I like what they do on offense, right? But it's very manufactured. And a lot of yep. that is because they, they kind of have to when you don't have just, you know, extremely high caliber recruits, a bunch of good kids, and they can still be effective that way. But are they able to combine that with maybe a, just a higher caliber of player, you know? And then what does that look like? Or do they start to kind of get away from some of those things that have made them efficient on offense? I don't yeah. know. I'd be curious to see how they kind of blend that together how much buy-in there is. Um, but I'm, I'm really excited to see how that trends, not only this year, but even over next year too. Yep. I completely agree. Uh, because I, I think that's, that's, that's the measure of a coach is to how do you adapt talent level with style of play with level of competition. And that for some reason, I think coach tower can do it as well as anybody in the league. Well, and Zach, when you bring that up the, it, with the manufactured offense, you're, now he's too small for, for the league, and that caused problems, especially teamed with Riley Miller. But Anders Nelson not being there, kind of the straw that stirred the drink, so to speak. I, I'm yeah, not sure who that person is this year for St. Right, Thomas. right. You know, I mean, you know, and Ben now, he was a highly regarded recruit. There were other Summit League teams that wanted him, and uh, he chose to go to St. Thomas, uh, had a little bit of a – a secondary role last year, as you said, Anders Nelson was there. He chose to move on. I think I believe he's at William and Mary now. Um, but uh, does he step into that role? I, I certainly think he's physically capable of of that. But you know, Anders Nelson was a he's a gutty, uh, gritty, and, and I and I don't mean those as sort of like backhanded compliments, right? I mean the kid won more basketball games than pretty much anybody that's currently in the conference right now. So the kid's a winner, and I don't think that should be taken for granted. Because winning is, it, it's harder than it seems, right? Winning is hard. That's, that's about the understatement of the century right there. Especially sustained winning. And that kid did it, and now he's not with the program. So what do they do? We'll see. Yeah. Well, and, and to your point, both you guys, I, I don't want me, me to extend this too long because we got to get off this and got to end this. Um, I, I look at St. Thomas and Denver in somewhat similar ways. I think Denver can really impact the top half of the league. I think St. Thomas can really impact the bottom half of the league. And that's not a backhanded compliment. I just think their level of talent they brought in, plus the experience that they have, and, and then the level of coaching that both Denver and St. Thomas have brought to the league, I I think they're gonna they're they're both really gonna be those types of teams who even late in the season where you're gonna go, God darn it, St. Thomas and Denver have both have both messed things up you know, for uh, what all of us thought would, would play out normally. So they're both – St. Thomas is going to be a, a very uh, very much a handful for teams to deal with uh, throughout the course of the season. And it seems like we're kind of saying the same thing about a lot of these teams, right? There's the top two or three teams that are, are, are very well established, and they're going to be great teams. But beyond that, for every team that we're talking about, it's like, hey, we really like some of these things, but hey – there's a couple of questions we have to figure out here for almost everyone. And that's what's going to make this year so fun. It really is. It, it's going to be totally different than last year. Way more intrigue, a lot more ups and downs, uh, you know, battling for positioning. I mean, we're going to see some surprises because we really don't know what to expect right now. Yeah. 
I am in agreement. All right. Well, with that, we will wrap up this week's episode. Again, next week we're going to start talking uh, uh, predictions and first and second team, things like that. And we'll also try to get some more interviews set up uh, for the next few weeks as well. Uh, but more to come on that. So until next time, gentlemen. Thank you.